Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I do all of this full time, and every dollar you give helps keep all of it going. From the beginning of June until the end of August, I will be taking a cross-Canada history tour. I'm going to be visiting various rural historical attractions, all of the graves of the Prime Ministers except for R.B. Bennett because he is buried in England, and I'm going to be going from coast to coast to coast, the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Arctic over the course of the 90 days. This is going to be a bare-bones trip for me, sleeping in tents and just enjoying the history and nature of Canada. If you'd like, you can help support this trip by going to my GoFundMe page, I'll put the link in my show notes. Today I'm looking at the history of Carrobert. As usual, when I look at the history of a community, I won't be looking at a chronological history, but rather looking at various aspects of the history that are very interesting. So let's begin. Indigenous History Prior to the arrival of Europeans, the land that would one day be Carrobert was occupied by various indigenous groups. The most prominent group were the Blackfoot, who would follow bison through the area for centuries. As Europeans began to move in from the east, they would push the Cree and the Métis into the west, which would bring them into the contact with the Blackfoot. When settlement began in the area in the late 19th century, many settlers would find indigenous artifacts on their land, as well as remnants of the bison, long since hunted to near extinction by the Canadians and Americans. The Founding of the Community While the community is called Carrobert today, it would go through a few name changes before the current name was settled on. It began with Hartsburg in 1906, as that was the name of the post office set up in the area. That post office would close in the fall of 1910, and a new post office was opened under the name of Carrobert, two different words. This new name would foster a growing community that would begin to prosper throughout the 1910s, and into the early part of the 1920s. The name itself comes from Robert Kerr, who was an early CP Rail executive. William Burton Sample would erect the first store in Carrobert. That first store was just a large tent that took three days to put up, secure, and erect shelving inside. He was helped in the process by some CPR engineers who were in the area and were having some downtime. Harry Gain would become the overseer of the community in 1910. 
On July 1, 1910, the community celebrated its annual picnic with horse racing, ox racing, and even some baseball games. By the winter, the number of people in the community was growing, and there was talk of a union church being organized. The first meeting of the organization of the church would happen on November 3, 1910, held in the citizens' building with people sitting on planks nailed to nail kegs. Soon after, a Catholic church was built in the community. Robert sat on the tote road, which followed the right-of-way marked by surveyors and was used for hauling supplies for the building of the new railway. When the railway was built into the community, it became a railway centre for the west-central area of Saskatchewan, something that would continue until terminal elevators were constructed in British Columbia, causing rail traffic to be rerouted. The railroad would be the lifeblood of the community, and upon the completion of the Wilkie-Carrobert line, engine number 1423 with the conductor James Long, had the honour of being the first down the line into the community. In 1913, the community became the seat of the Carrobert Judicial District, which would lead to the construction of the beautiful courthouse that I will talk about later. The Carrobert and District Museum Located within the courthouse, more on that later, the museum display includes the judges' chambers, a former district courtroom that displays the works of local artists, and other exhibits that display early businesses, church, and schools in the area. In the basement level of the museum, there is also a pioneer home display, sports museum, and the jail cells that were used for decades. Surrounding the museum and the historic courthouse is a large park that surrounds the building, perfect for a nice day of exploring the history of the community. The Great Wall of Saskatchewan Saskatchewan is not known for its stone walls, and while it's not the Great Wall of China, if you drive about 20 minutes southwest of Carrobert, you will come to the Great Wall of Saskatchewan. This wall was a project by a man named Albert Johnson, and it began in 1962 when Johnson, aged 52, began to arrange stones to form a wall after he cleared them off the surrounding farmland on his property. Johnson would not stop there, though, spending the next 29 years building this wall. Over the decades, he would transport stone to the area, and the stones were placed so that the wall would support itself without the need for cement or mortar. On the outer layer of the wall, the stones were placed so that they tapered inward using specially shaped stones to prevent the wall from moving. The interior of the wall was filled with small and odd-shaped stones, and spruce trees were also planted along the wall to provide protection from the wind. A sod house built in 1986 was completed and is located next to the stone wall. By the time of its completion, the stone wall had a 6-foot base stretching for nearly 2,000 feet with an average height of 6 to 12 feet in places. Johnson would pass away at the age of 92 in 2001. The Carrobert Courthouse One of the most prominent structures within Carrobert is the courthouse a two-story brick building that was built in 1920 and served as a centerpiece for the entire community. The courthouse was one of only 10 courthouses designed by Maurice Sharon in the Department of Public Works between 1916 and 1929 and is one of only five courthouses built in Saskatchewan in a rural community. The entire structure cost $145,000 to build, and the courthouse was the second one built using the designs of Sharon, and the first to demonstrate the transition from Beaux-Arts classicism to colonial revival style. 
Most communities under the supervision of Sharon received a small courthouse, but Roberts is capable of housing multiple courts at the same time, which demonstrated an optimism in the provincial government at the conclusion of the First World War for the community. The building was recognized as a municipal heritage site on September 8, 1982, and the courthouse was initially closed in 1996, but today it's home to the municipal offices of the town as well as the museum. Some say that the building is haunted, and people have said they've heard whispering voices in empty rooms and footsteps ascending a stairway and walking into the courtroom in the early hours of the morning. For why the place is haunted, that comes down to an old skull apparently locked in the basement. It's in the evidence room and it dates back to a 1931 murder trial. That trial was defended by John Diefenbaker, the future Prime Minister of Canada from 1957 to 1963. And the reports of the hauntings in the courthouse go back to the 1930s. If you go online, you will see several videos of orbs and other spooky happenings at this beautiful building on YouTube. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 285-2253. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The Carrobert Library. Most libraries are in simple buildings that have little in the way of history. For Carrobert, their library has the distinction of being in one of the most historic buildings in the community. The Carrobert Library building got its start as a prefabricated building assembly by the Bank of Commerce in a small community. Built in 1910, it was designed to be manufactured, transported, and assembled in a quick manner, 
costing less and bringing banking to small communities. The lot that the building sits on were the first two lots to be auctioned off in Carrobert, with the bank paying $2,000 for the property. Another interesting tidbit of information is that the man who served as the auctioneer was Tobias Norris, and he would go on to become the Premier of Manitoba, serving from 1915 to 1922. Starting as a bank, specifically the Canadian Bank of Commerce, the building served that purpose until the 1930s. During this time, the bank provided a vital service to the area, including ensuring that farmers and businessmen had credit to operate their business. In addition, the Carrobert branch of the Bank of Commerce was one of the first businesses to operate in the area. On September 8, 1982, the Carrobert Library building was made a municipal heritage site. The Water Tower Arguably the defining feature of the community of Carrobert is the large water tower that looks over the town. Known as a standpipe water tower, it resembles a lighthouse more than a water tower. These types of water towers were very rare and only 10 were ever built in Saskatchewan. Of those 10, 4 survive and Carrobert is lucky enough to be one of the 4. The water tower was built in 1914 to provide water for the community during its earliest years. Easily the tallest building in Carrobert, it became a landmark for the community, but also helped save lives and buildings when fires would break out. A storage tank placed several meters above ground to the distribution network by means of a vertical pipe allowed for water to be transported in the event of a fire or to homes connected to the water system. In all, it held 150,000 gallons of water within its riveted steel structure that featured 11 7-foot high rings. Today, the water tower is the only one of its type in Saskatchewan that is still in use, and on October 14, 1981, the water tower became a municipal heritage site. The Railway Station while trains are mostly a thing of the past as a means of passenger transportation, they were once a vital link to the rest of the world for small towns. The first place many new residents to an area saw was the train station. It was the structure that welcomed them as they stepped off the train and into a new life. For others, it was the last site of home before they left to serve in the First and Second World Wars. Many of these train stations are now gone, but in Carrobert, the original train station still remains. Built in 1911, it featured a wonderful garden complete with a fountain, a welcome site for the people who arrived from overseas, looking for a new life. Today it is the home of the Carrobert Fish and Game Association, housing meeting rooms and a shooting range. Robert Hanbidge On March 16, 1891, Robert Hanbidge was born in Southampton, Ontario, but he would move out to Regina in 1909, where he began to take a Saskatchewan Law Society course. He would eventually article in the firm of Sir Frederick Haltane, who had been the Premier of the Northwest Territories prior to the creation of Alberta and Saskatchewan. From 1911 to 1913, Hanbridge would play for the Regina Rugby Club, which today is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In 1915, he married Jane Mitchell. In 1920, he was in Carrobert and was elected as the mayor of the community. Nine years later, he was the MLA for the area, serving from 1929 to 1934 as a member of the Conservative Party. Nine years later, he was the MLA for the area, serving from 1929 to 1934 as a member of the Conservative Party. 
While in the legislature, he held the position of chief whip under Premier James Anderson. In 1945, he would run to represent the area in the House of Commons but lost. But over a decade later, he was elected to serve in Parliament. In 1963, he was appointed as Lieutenant Governor of Saskatchewan, serving until 1970 in that post. In 1968, he was awarded an Honorary Doctorate of Laws from the University of Saskatchewan, and he would pass away on July 25, 1974 at the age of 83. The Saskatchewan Centre of Arts Convention Hall was named for him initially, and Hanbridge Crescent in Regina is also named for him. Esmond Alcock I will close out this episode by looking at the story of a man who became the oldest man in Canada, which is no small task. His name was Esmond Alcock, and he was born on January 26, 1910 in Moose Jaw, only five years after Saskatchewan became a province. As we saw earlier in this episode, Robert was not even called that when he was born. And while he was born in Moose Jaw, he would spend a hundred years of his life living in Robert and farm there until he retired in 1975. When asked what the trick was to living so long, he would say it was selecting the proper spouse. Well, I didn't behave myself very well for the first few years. Then I got a real good wife. He would be married to his wife Helen for 72 years, before she passed away seven years prior to his birthday in 2018. Over the course of his life, he had six children, two who died before him, 17 grandchildren, 36 great-grandchildren, and 12 great-great-grandchildren. After reaching over 70 descendants, he would finally have a descendant named after him, who he would meet in his 108th year, as reported by CNN. Alcock would celebrate his 108th birthday on January 26, 2018 in Carrobert, and he would pass away on March 22, 2018, at the age of 108 years, 55 days. These kids are all nice looking. A 108-year-old meets his very young relative, the first of his more than 70 descendants to share his name. Happy birthday, dear Esmond. The oldest man in all of Canada, Esmond Alcock recently celebrated his milestone birthday. His town even honored him in a special ceremony. Hereby decree recognition. Esmond Alcock being Canada's oldest man. Esmond was born in 1910 and was a farmer until he retired in his 60s. He met his wife Helen at a small dance and the two were married for 72 years before she passed away. The pair had six children, many grandkids and great-great-grandchildren. But no one was ever named after him, the patriarch of the family, until now. He held baby Esmond in his arms. They'll probably call you Es, hey? And was grateful his name, as well as his legacy, will carry on. For InsideEdition.com, I'm Lee Sheps. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Carrobert. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurie Ann Kirby, 
Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.